Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Today, we are going to talk about inflation. Uh, I think in particular has how it responds to technology and sort of the pros and cons there. Uh, I know this week, Rochelle, I'm sure you've been seeing it in the news as well, that uh, there's a lot of headlines about the uh, tech bubble bursting, which as like a technologist sort of freaks me out. (laughs) But uh, at the same time, I'm not super worried as it's more of a... uh, so I guess tech really had like a, a growing bubble when COVID hit in 2020 and more things started uh, necessitating online stuff like shopping, deliveries, all sorts of stuff that you need to do online when going in person is not an option when there's a pandemic going on. And so because of that, it sounds like a lot of companies hired extra people, got new projects going And now as we are coming out of the pandemic, a lot of those things are scaling down again now and people are getting laid off uh, specifically at like the big tech companies. Uh, And during all of this, we have like record inflation. So everything like groceries are expensive, gas is expensive, like prices are going up, uh, wages are not going up with it. Uh, However, like corporate profits are going up, which seems... Uh, not quite right to say the least as they are driving the prices up. Uh, so yeah, like how, how are you feeling about it, Rochelle? Are you optimistic, pessimistic? Where do you think that this are sort of like, uh, rising inflation is going and do you think it'll take that it'll keep going up for a while longer or that it'll come back down soon? Well, first, I want to address the tech bubble. We've had several tech bursts. You know, we had, or if you go back to the 90s, ooh, it was nightmarish. Uh, many of you probably don't even know how to sm- spell Netscape, but Netscape was the browser of choice. <laughs> yeah. AOL was the uh, email of choice, as well as uh, URL. Um, there were a lot of things that have gone sideways, if you will, and eventually makes them makes their way back. I don't think technology has very much to fear because we as a society have become so dependent on it. As we talked about in our last podcast, you know, we are, you know, I, I don't think we know how to do very much now without technology because we've become so ingrained in how it works and how it makes our lives more convenient. But I think in terms of inflation, COVID may own the whole logic of it. Think about this, right? So in 2020, most of the United States sheltered in place, right? And so you got all of this time at home and you look around, oh, I need to fix my washing machine. I'm going to redo my kitchen. I'm going to you know, sp- spend money on something or another. And so many of us, you know, took on high dollar projects, not just, you know, going to the mall and buying Christmas or whatever holiday, but we were spending big dollars. And it was a bull market. Housing prices were outrageous. You know, the the number of houses available were not very high. So builders started building and building and building. And all of these things drove inflation. A lot of people like to drop inflation on the government, but the government's role in inflation is really more as a moderator as opposed to a driver. 
because all they can do, you know, the feds and, and people like that, all they can do is just suggest or raise interest rates or, you know, tell you it's coming or whatever. You know, think about the price of gas. So, you know, in addition to being home, but, you know, we were now able to go buy us a fancy car, right? So we had all of this excess money that we weren't spending in gas and insurance and all these other things. We had this money. And so we we allowed ourselves to drive inflation by the fact that COVID gave us so much free time. I know one of my uh, friends bought a $50,000 uh, theater room. Oh, wow. For what? For what? You know, I mean, like, I get it. It looks nice. I guess it adds value to the house. But really, you know, I mean, like, unless you're having a movie night at your house every night, you know, that's a lot of money, you yeah. know. So, you know, a lot of it is, is the consumers itself drove what's happening to inflation. So I heard on this on the phone this morning that uh, gas prices are going up because more people are going to be driving somewhere for Thanksgiving as opposed to staying at home or flying. So a lot of it, you know, we own, we, we are responsible for it. But on the other side, you know, the price of money, you know, borrowing money has always been high. So, and we talk about this every now and again on our podcast about these digital financial applications like Chime and, you know, I, I can't even think of all of them, but there's so many out there and they're aimed at these millennials who really don't think first, you know, they don't really consider what borrowing money or getting money from someone other than yourself or your family means. Right. So you go out here and you, 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 you follow these, 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 um, uh, what do you call it when you try to catch a mouse or you give it a little treat, or whatever it is where you tempt someone to do something and they follow the trail to where it is. And then they end up, on the wrong side of, of the, of the service that they're trying to get to. So, you know, back in the day, interest rates of 29% considered usury, right? You know, it was like loan sharks. Now you could have interest rates way above that, you know? And so for somebody that's young, fairly new into the workforce, you know, having a, a credit card or some kind of financial uh, loan is devastating. So, you know, the balance of, consumer good and consumer debt versus, you know, consumer saving and, 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 you know, home ownership and all those things almost always in friction with each other. We will eventually come out of this inflation, if you will, interest rates will go down again, but in a short order, we'll repeat it again. We'll, and it, and it has cyclical, it happens all the time. You remember when president Obama uh, became the president, you know, think about this. I mean, the housing market, crashed i mean you had savings and loans and banks going under and i mean big names not just these small mom and pop uh saving loans but these big companies going under so i do think you know we will recover because you know shortly after you know obama left his circuit second term the economy started turning around it started to be more of a bull market and more people had access to money and resources and now we're at this place where we're kind of stuck right so be between you know what's happening with inflation and, and the needs i heard someone say on the news that a lot of families won't be able to put together a full thanksgiving uh, meal this thanksgiving you know that's not new we've been in that place before it may not have been thanksgiving it might have been christmas might have been something else but i mean we do have these choices so I think that eventually, you know, the inflation will, will, you know, lessen to some degree, but we as a society will push it higher again. So, 
where in, in your mind, so there's a lot of information on the internet about inflation and how technology can help with that. Um, and one of the things that I think about that is like blockchain. Blockchain will be mm-hmm. a good place to apply to inflation, right? Because you can collect data and have it in this in this uh, immutable chain that you can go back and look for the, the trends that might mm-hmm. help you see that is coming. Where, where do you see that going, Drew? Uh, it, it's really hard to say. And I don't even thinking about like the uh, like the trending, like I'm not even sure that we totally need blockchain for something like that. I feel like just the stock market numbers alone may. I, I, I don't know that I know enough about the stock market to say for sure, but I, I feel like that's something that could be caught and like thinking about uh, bouncing back to uh, 2008 or 2009 when the housing market stuff hit or when the housing market bubble burst, like that was predicted by like some people and those people made a killing on yep. uh, profiting off of that by the, oh, I'm not sure, was that, were they short selling things in the housing market? I can't, I can't totally remember, but I uh, watched several documentaries were, people- about it. <laughs> People were uh, flipping houses. Flipping houses mm-hmm. became the thing. So you were buying a house that was foreclosed by a bank and people were going at it, gang hole banks, lending money left and right. And you're right. A lot of people predicted this was coming. But I think that a lot of people weren't listening as well yeah. to the predictions that were coming. I think the reason why I say blockchain is because if you factor housing, banks, pick gas, all the cost of goods, you put all that together. And you ought to be able to peak trends. A lot of people can see, you know, something like housing is very obvious, right? You can see, you know, trends in housing. So, like, I don't know about you, but, like, probably late 2021, early 22, my house was $1.3 million. That's what the asking price was. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) I mean, we have a nice house. We live in a nice neighborhood. But it's just no way in the world. This house is worth $1.3 million. And I don't mean it because if somebody offered me that, they could have it. So let me just get that out there. I'm clear about that. But still, the numbers were outrageous. They were, you know, they were beyond comprehension. You know, so the housing market had to do something different than what it was doing. But still, even with those predictions, no one foresaw what COVID would do. We were not prepared for COVID. And that's really an unfortunate thing. So a technology like blockchain, an algorithm, machine learning, whatever it is that might give us, you know, a plot of where these things are going, right? So Mm -hmm. if you see the housing market is excessively high, the interest rates are low, you know, there's low demand or high demand for houses, you know, the cost of, you know, gas is going up. And to put these together in an aggregate to come up with something that says, you know, in 2020, six, you know, we're going to have a recession or, you know, we're going to have some other calamity. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I do think that technology does hold value. The question is, is what technology? So I always think of blockchain because I want something that can't be changed. Right. So any mm-hmm. of those are so algorithms, machine learning, somebody can go in there and rewrite that. But like when you have a technology like blockchain where you can get consistent data over and over again, and if it's altered, the whole chain is broken. It's just not one piece of it. So yeah. I think there's something like that. The point I'm just trying to make, where I think your point is well taken, you can predict some of these things, but do you predict it in aggregate? So did you know yeah. that gas prices were going to go up to $5, you know, in the, in the spring, you know, or did you know that uh, 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 the price of a hamburger or a loaf of bread 
would be the prices they are now. And is there a way to technology to capture some of that data and tell us, hey, this is coming so you can act accordingly? Yeah. And that's hard, too, because thinking about, again, thinking about the housing market, like buying a house was a like good investment for in the United States for, I mean, I want to say like 80 years, 100 years. Like how long has it been going where the housing market has just been going up and up and up and up and up where you're always going to make your money back if you buy a house, right? And then in 2000, it didn't really change until 2008 or 2009 when all of a sudden everybody bought too many houses. Like there's nothing they can do with it. And I wonder the same thing, like, and I'm sure smarter people uh, than me can think about this, but even around gas prices, like people have not been driving as much over the last few years because of COVID. Like there's a lot, uh, there's a lot more work from home now. Uh, and a lot of that uh, commuter traffic should theoretically be gone, which should drive the price of gas down because that means there's not as big of a demand for gas. However, that didn't happen. Like the prices went up. And that's something that I find like, how, how could we have predicted that? Or how can people know like, you know, hey, the housing market's going to be good for 80 years, but not 81. Or gas prices are going to be good as long as there's a pandemic plus uh, a war or pandemic. Okay. War bad. Like a lot of it. I don't know. That data just seems really hard to predict. I think so too. I think the interesting piece of that though is trying to capture this data in a way that you know, right? So mm -hmm. what what can we know? So none of us could have predicted that COVID would have done with COVID. I don't think even technology could have predicted COVID. Yeah. I think it this is one of those things where, you know, health it's where healthcare and environmental and 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 social things inter, inter, intersect, right? And so mm -hmm. you get something like COVID. I mean, we've had SARS and SARS-2 for a long time. It's just not been as pervasive as it was in 2020. And it's still not clear to me how we got there. But again, we could factor in technology, financial methodology, method, method whatever I can't say right now, financial uh, arrangements. All that financial stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can factor all that together, you might be able to present um, some information to help people think about this. But think about how likely we are to listen to it, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you turn on your news and someone says, well, don't buy so many houses this year or uh, don't 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 run up your credit card. Nah, I'm not going to listen. Then what do they know? You know, and so these these your fail safes are almost always in with the consumer, right? So are we listening to the people who are advising us and are we considering them valid sources? You know, we were talking about this earlier, but like election deniers, you know, people who, who, who don't want to believe something. So what, what segment of the population is that? So mm -hmm. can we prevent chaos and, and calamity? I don't know, because, you know, some of us might listen, some of us might not, you know, if you've got a high interest rate credit card, and it's Christmas, and you know you've got to get grandpa a winter coat, you know, what are you going to say? Well, I don't really have the money to buy this right now, but uh, I really need to do this. So you're going to buy that two or $300 coat, and then come whatever the next month, and the payment is due, do you have the money to pay it? 
it's like playing the lottery, you know, like, so it's still like the lottery was $2 billion last month or this yeah. month. I don't remember when it was, but it was this huge amount of money, you yeah. know, gambling, right? So you, you're risking your mortgage or risking a payment on something to pay the lottery so you can win. And the odds of winning are extremely high, you know, but then the other side of that argument is you can't win if you don't play. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it, it's like, you know, it's, it's what decision do you make? And more times than not, we lean toward the easiest decision for us, right? So, you know, grandpa really needs a coat. He'll appreciate me. I'll figure out how to pay this later on. Yeah. And, it's and that, you can just put it off. Like you can think about it. It's like, think about it. Think about it next month. And when that bill comes, pay off the minimum, think about it next month, pay off the minimum, right. think about it next month. And then you get stuck in that cycle for way more than the cost of that coat would have been. Right. And, and so, Again, going back to, you know, things like inflation and things like that, like, you know, people hate the word recession. But if you think about what that what the origin of that word recession is recess. Right. So mm -hmm. what is recess? Right. It's a break. It's a mm -hmm. break from the norm. It's a break from the traditional. So maybe it's not the greatest thing because people who are, you know, high end investors and people who really know the market, you know, so. They don't want to see this recession hit. But in a lot of ways, you do need a pause button. You do need to say, hey, let's take a break from this. You know, mm -hmm. when you got to housing prices where houses were in, in the RTP area, Raleigh, Wake County, Durham County, and Orange County, where housing prices minimally was averaging between eight and $900,000 for a house. Think about all the people you priced out of the market. People can't find a house. And then you push them further out. So now... Mm -hmm. You have like in Durham, you go to Roxborough, you go to some other area and you push people farther away from the central or the metropolis part of the city to get uh, spend more gas money to get back and forth. You know, they've got their food choices aren't as plentiful as they are, yeah. you know, in the center of the of the city or the county. You know, so all of these things drive, you know, where we are in terms of inflation. But sometimes it's good to take a pause. Now what happened in the 1920s where the stock market just completely crashed and people were running on banks. I think that's horrible. You know, like we ought to do it all cost to prevent that from happening, but we ought to be appreciative of what a, a slowdown in our spending does for all of us. And yeah. in a lot of ways, I think technology has a way to do that. We just have to figure out what it is. I always believe that somewhere in there, technology can help. Yeah. And it's, uh, one thing that I was reading about this week, uh, talking about Amazon and this is something that you predicted slash observed or both is like they're gonna they've created these robots now to replace like human sorters and it's like that goes directly into building profit but is going to be awful for the workforce in all of these uh Amazon warehouses because like like you've said many times before like those workers are literally going to be replaced with uh with robots and what do those workers do now? Like that's, right. uh, you know, that's a lot of people that are suddenly out of out of work and have no money while Amazon is going to be making lots more money for their, you know, for the Amazon shareholders. And, you know, and, and what's really interesting about that, every store you go into that has a speedy checkout and there's one person standing there to help you if you have a faux pas, think about how many people are out of jobs. So if you have 10 speedy checkouts meaning you don't you and the machine you don't need a person that's people out of jail out of jobs you know and 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 it continues you know and so 
I think I said this to you a while ago. Just think about all these restaurants. If they would have had automation and technology, so people who are getting COVID and dying, that this workforce, what is it? The great quit, I quit or something. I forgot. The uh, great, great, great Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, so think about the profits they would have made if they would have automated and have automated processes, which is one of those things we were talking about yesterday about these apps, right? So all of these apps literally eliminate the need for humans, right? So if I go order something from the app, I don't need to go through the drive through I don't need to talk to the person at the counter. I can just order it and they could put it in a bin or something. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite of all drones, right? So now Amazon and FedEx and all are considering drones to deliver packages. So what does that yeah. mean? Yeah, we have a uh, drone delivery service in Holly Springs now, Rochelle. You can, there's like a select oh few restaurants. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite the future you think it is because like they have like designated landing spots where they can go, but it's like you can order from, I think Chili's is one of the big ones down here. And like you just drive to this park and the drone will like come down and just lower your food order and then you pick it up and there's like little drone landing street signs and all sorts of stuff. I would like to do it to try it, but it sounds sort of like a pain as well because you still got to drive somewhere to get it. <laughs> but for every Jew who won't try it, there's a Jew who will try it. And eventually oh, yeah. it will become more of the norm. It will become more of the norm. You know, you know, yeah. you've got a ring doorbell. You know, I remember when I first saw it, it went on Shark Tank. I don't know if you watched Shark Tank, but Shark Tank had the guy who created the ring. They uh-huh. every last one of the sharks said, No, it's not a good idea. And look at us now. We've got so many different kinds of doorbell cameras and stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's prolific. Yeah. You know, Everybody and, has and so, one. Like... <laughs> right. Right. And think about where we're going with these things. So when you think of a model like inflation, and I don't even know that's the right term to call it. It's not a model. But when you have a system like inflation that comes to your environment, you know that there's some person in his or her bedroom, garage, office, thinking about a technology that can solve this. Every single problem we have, people are trying to apply technology to it. The question is, is can technology adequately understand it and then come up with solutions that human beings will then accept and apply to their lives? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a really hard question. Like, right. And what percentage of the human beings are we talking about? Because it's never going to be 100%. But is 90% right. going to be good? Is it going to have to be 99%? Is it going to be... 51% like that right. the answer is probably depressing <laughs> right but but i still say nothing is stopping technologists and technology companies and and smart people from thinking about these solutions and coming up with them you know i have been trying to think like i'm always thinking of things you know i've got a gazillion ideas and you know like one of the things i was thinking about so there are no black auctioneers i shouldn't say no there are very few black or brown auctioneers so can we create a technology app to create auctioneers right so <laughs> that's not a problem that we need to solve but it's just it's just like why is this not a good idea and so when you think about it in the plain in, in plain sense someone is looking at the problems in our society looking for solutions to them right yeah. and most more times than not technology is the answer I want to ask you a question that's totally off topic, but just just this. So people have diabetes and people have sleep apnea. Now they can install something in your body, put mm-hmm. a reader on top of that thing to either tell it to do something or whatever it is. 
where where is this going? And I realize this has nothing to do with inflation except for how much it might cost you to get it done. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I, so I sort of love this uh, version of technology, and we've been sort of slowly moving there for at least a uh, ten years or so with these smartwatches, where you know it started off with a little device and it measures your steps, and then it's like, oh, we can add in your heart rate, and now your temperature, and now like I believe newer ones are even doing blood pressure, and but these are all things that are like outside of your body, but it's a very <laughs> it's a very thin layer of skin to get it inside of your body, right? Like that's not, that is technology that we have. And I think overall that's going to be a good thing because in general, it's going to reduce friction for people getting healthcare, right? Like if you are a diabetic and you need to keep an eye on your blood sugar, uh, you know, the way of, Hey, let me prick my finger, dip this blood in a or dip this piece of paper in my blood and see what it is that seems sort of like uh ancient when you talk about that right like i've got to dip my blood in this paper to see you know how my blood sugar is going if there was an app for that or something that you could just uh click or touch on your body to measure it that is i think overall that's a good thing the trouble with that comes all of the privacy and everything else around the technology but uh Specifically for diabetes, I think that's going to be great. I haven't heard about the sleep apnea one though. I'm I'm curious about that. Uh... Exact same thing that the diabetes one. They put uh, something underneath your in your body, and uh -huh. they put a reader on top of it, and it tells helps your body not. I don't know what it does. Actually, you can Google it and find out. But but it's a commercial you see quite often. You know, I, I always ask you these questions about technology because I know you're almost always on the cutting edge of these things and thinking about these things. But all the problems that we have in society and problems that we don't have, like I was talking about the auctioneers, you know, people are thinking of ways to do these things. And when you think about technology, what, what frightens me the most about technology is for those who aren't familiar with it and who go down the rabbit trail and end up in a bad place, right? That's what frightens me the most about technology. It's not technology for itself. I have worked in technology since I was 17 years old. I'm 117 now, so <laughs> I've been doing this for a minute. But at the same time, I have seen it grow. I remember the first ATM transaction. It did one transaction and it failed, you know, because someone must have come right behind it to take money out and it aborted and it shut itself down and, and whatever. And this is in England. This wasn't in the United States, you know. So when we when I saw that technology, we had been on the very cutting edge, edge, edge of it because retail, we had created this point of sale system and the point of sale system would collect how much how many sales the store made, made in a day, how many different people. And, and so we were doing this in a program called CICS. And for those of you who are old enough to remember CICS, you're very old. But, uh, you know, that we thought we were doing something. You know, we started out coding in Fortran, COBOL, Assembler. And then we got to this program called CICS that took most of the work that we were doing and incorporated. So we didn't have to write the code in, in any of these programming languages. We could do it directly in this app. So when you think about where we were going, it's, it's inevitable that we're going to end up to the place where we as humans press buttons or speak words and something does it for us, you know, so empty the trash robot, you know, call my mother robot or, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and I don't mean that literally because you can just tell your phone, you can call Siri and say, Siri, call Drew. And sure enough, she'll bring up all the Drews that you have. Did you mean to call Drew Stennett? 
yes, I'm <laughs> and off it goes to calling Drew Stinnett, you know, and yep. what happens if you're talking about Drew Stinnett and you don't mean to call him and Siri is listening, oh my gosh, she's going to call Drew Stinnett at two o'clock in the morning and I didn't mean to, I was just talking about him, you know, and, you know these yep. are the, the good and bads of technology, right? So it will call Drew you know, any time of the day, not like Drew has a thing up there. To say, well, you can put up, uh, you're not accepting notifications or you have notifications turned on. So oh, I might I, not I be able <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. But 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 some people don't have that. So, you know, if you happen to, you know what I'm saying. Technology oh, yeah. is marvelous and terrible at the exact same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's a, a, a fitting uh, a fitting way to summarize uh, all of this. And uh, I think that's a good end. But I, I do want to say before we totally close out, like, when you say people are thinking about it, uh, not everybody is thinking about this, uh, but you, you, Rochelle, are thinking about this and you have all of these amazing ideas. And I just want to like speak some appreciation for that because all of these things, uh, it, it's really great to have you as a speaker and advocate for this stuff. So uh, while I wish that I could say that I'd also thought of this stuff i definitely do not and i think most of my peers do not so having people like you that do have these like amazing ideas and are constantly thinking of ways to make things better is like uh uh incredibly valuable and incredibly appreciated so i just want to thank you on behalf of all our listeners but uh also on behalf of me <laughs> thank you so much drew but i will say and for those of you who are listening drew is the expert i am just the uh I'm the sage. I've been around for a long time, so I know a little bit more than Drew does. But when it comes to technology, you, I defer all my questions to Drew. We have a part of our series that we call Ask Drew. And when we start the new year, we're going to start every month. We're going to have an Ask Drew segment. And so we might ask you questions that he doesn't have the immediate answer to, but he will get those answers to us one way or the other. No, it can't be done. Or yes, we can figure out how to do it, but we're yeah. going to go to that. So Drew and I are beautiful compliments to each other, you know, very, very much. So man, woman, white, black, young, old, smart, dumb, you know, yes. that kind of <laughs> Absolutely. I raised my, my hand to the dumb part. I was, I was going to say like, let's flip all of those back and forth because, uh, they, they have, well, for the most part, apply both ways. So thank you, Rochelle. Thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.